Bitcoin. Hi, I'm talking to you from the future, specifically the year 1079. Here, we have solved the problem of money in society by liquidating all of it. We converted everything to Bitcoin. Bitcoin can be broken up into two main currencies. Spit, which is simply a watery liquid made by most mammals, and points, which is a valueless numeric quantity or amount. Let's discuss points first, and then turn into saliva. Points. The points plan. I have a proposal with a few ridiculous examples, but basically stated by this point in the history of capitalism. The truly rich have finally succeeded in doing all the hard work for everyone. They have made so much money for themselves that if it was redistributed to everyone, the mega-rich would neither miss the money or even notice its absence, and most of the world's problems would be solved because we'd all be sharing it. I'm suggesting we could dissolve all the money in the world into a common pool of wealth and no one would ever be in want for anything. This is because there's such a massive income disparity between humans in terms of money. The wealthiest have so much money they literally will never be able to spend it all. I mean, Jeffrey Epstein bought an island. How'd that work out? So some ridiculous purchases, like a island to commit crimes, might be the only thing not allowed to us in points. The, the truly wealthy could share their money and still buy, own, manage everything they wanted. We're just looking at addressing their hoarding issue. To dismantle this hoarding problem, we should just break up the money and give it to everyone. I'm not calling for a breakup of any company or any industry to change. We still charge people for things and still get paid for things. The only difference is there's one bank account. All the money has already been made, after all. Possessions could still be acquired. Food could still be provided. Everything would be in the exact same cost as money, just retitled as points. Of course, this would take a few decades to not feel weird. Money is a possession, after all, even if it's nothing. Maybe the first generation of this would just be a one-to-one -one migration of money to points. So if you had a million dollars in the bank, you'd have a million points instead. Points could radically change the world of money because everything can earn a point. Good behavior could earn you a point. Bad behavior, maybe, would take some points away. Likes and unlikes and upvoting and downvoting in social media has already proven the mood uplift from earning a positive for good behavior or a good comment, or a good photo. Kindness is a nicety, but it's not something you get money for doing. In fact, the most despicable and unkind in our world are the ones who make the most money. If we convert all our good and bad behavior to being shared commodities and points, being kind might add numbers to your account, while being an asshole might decrease those numbers. I would love this. Are you a wealthy person yelling at a waiter? That bad behavior might cause you some points. Not that you'd miss it, of course, but the waiter 
might gain some points for putting up with you, and that'd be nice. Of course, a wealthy person says that's a tip, but but I'd like to take the pleasure away from the from you in uh, in giving that tip to the waiter. This would be the first step to eventually removing currency altogether from society. The reason being, capitalism, as I said, has succeeded. The money needed for everyone on the planet to thrive forever has been earned by the top 1%. They own half the world. They've done the work for everyone here. So let's spread it out and start making behavior the next currency model. You wouldn't notice the difference because you're still receiving everything you've ever wanted under points. Things no longer cost anything to citizens. And you find quickly that buying things gives you no real thrill. This is what happens when you get rich. We would probably have to introduce points on a curve to keep the world from rioting out of pleasure. But as you receive your points, if you go apeshit and order 17 chairs in your house, or 19 TVs, or a bunch of scuba gear, you eventually learn what the really rich people learn from birth. Money can't buy you happiness, and shopping eventually becomes very dull. I've seen some friends come into millions overnight. They have a pretty insane first year, and then they tend to mellow out. They calm down to buying next to nothing, and just enjoying knowing that they're wealthy. This would happen automatically for everyone under points. In the same way that salary mellows you out the first time you move from an hourly wage to a salary knowing that you're going to get a guaranteed yearly amount. Points could revolutionize the economy because the nicest people who do genuine good work would likely receive some mental comfort. At the same time, however, while points is being implemented, credit cards would be transformed into simple ID cards. It would simply allow you to indicate wherever you want something delivered. First, it would decrease numbers from your point account, the same as money. But instead of inflation making things more expensive over time, each transaction would cost less and less. Globally, this would slow us all down into the mind shift that money no longer needs to make things, consume things, acquire things, or have any role in society. A parade for the 1% would be arranged, thanking them for making all the money they've acquired to provide for everyone. Some checks would need to be built into the system to prevent criminal misuse of everything in the world being free, and companies that make things would need to mentally consider that the only justification that something exists be that it has some value to the world. Maybe government would take over making most things, but you know, I'd be okay with that. Things I really like would still be made by passion, by a group of people making 50 or so versions of one guitar pedal or something. Sure, Apple Computer would continue making computers better because they just want to make better computers. So human ambition would not die. No one would need to worry about making a profit though. Everything would be on points at this stage. So this would be our new money. Our bank accounts would be nothing but a fluctuating number. 
What I like about this over time is eventually this will even out the asshole's control of the world. The kinder you behave, the more numbers you might make. But it also wouldn't matter, because points would be designed to lose value over time. Points has already been implemented in the future, of course. You ever see anyone ask about money or a salary in Star Trek? No, they're on the point system. Regarding the rich paying for this, I have an idea. They'd be able to keep $10 million annually. The rest would be converted to points. So, Jeff Bezos has $150 billion. He would get to keep $10 million a year for the rest of his life. He's 56, so let's say he lives 50 more wealthy years at $10 million a year. Let's even multiply this to $100 million a year for Jeff. That's $5 million guaranteed to Jeff Bezos over 50 freaking years. That's a lot of money. Jeff hasn't worked any harder than any of us, so he shouldn't have any more than $5 billion. People who worship money will insist that Jeff Bezos has worked harder than you or I. And to justify this, they'll say just look at his fortune. Points will exist to quiet this argument. Jeff Bezos doesn't deserve more than $5 billion, no matter how hard he flinches that one big eye of his. So we dissolve the remainder of just one billionaire's fortune. In Bezos' example, the remaining $145 billion by itself could easily subsidize the lives of all the remaining 300 million Americans. Jeff has done the work for all of us. I'm sure he could help out the rest of the world too if they'd convert to the point system. And there are many other Jeffs on this planet. A lot of them hide. I seriously doubt Jeff Bezos could spend more than $100 million a year. It wouldn't matter, either, because once we turn his remaining $145 billion into points and add it to a shared number database, Jeff Bezos would have as much access to the $145 billion as the rest of us. This isn't a call for an end to industry. Industry moves forward. In fact, more things likely get bought and sold. We just take and give in shared numbers as needed. Healthcare would finally be solved. Literally, we would have a single payer system. Point system. Think about the empowerment. If points was a decided upon process and it was successful, it would be hilarious to see how useless money really is. It would be talked about in the history books along with other silly ideas we used to have, like bleeding people to cure them of illness. That's what money is. Money is like covering us in leeches because we have a cold. You know, when the uh, thermometer was invented for science, a lot of people thought that it was nonsense. Points probably sounds like nonsense to you right now, but people in the future are like, that's a pretty good idea. Glad we figured that out. I'm not looking for anything to be disruptive. I'm suggesting instead that we shift our entire economy to a new operating system. We desperately need to start looking at how mentally sick the entire money model is in this country. Now is as good a time as any for us to dissolve individual wealth and distribute it into a pool of points. 
a wealthy person might say, now hold on, philanthropy is a great example of the truly wealthy giving back. The problem, though, is it isn't. Philanthropy is a mix of narcissism and subconscious guilt, especially people who put their names on the good they do. Can't stand that. This is an unkind world, and if you've acquired a huge personal fortune, you've damaged a lot of lives in the act of your wealth. You might not even see how you've hurt the world or who you have hurt. But if you've acquired your own fortune, it's through a lifetime of bad deeds. And if you've left those bad deeds to others to do for you, it's just as bad. The decision to give back is often far too little, too late. If you'd never acquired the money in the first place, your impact on many others would have been much more positive. Often the philanthropist has ruined thousands of other people's lives in their youthful pursuit of power and wealth. It could be just as small as firing somebody. It could be just as big as decimating a community to build a home. Or bringing one of your businesses into that community destroy all the other businesses. If you're at a point of being wealthy and being philanthropic, it's like you've already done your life incorrectly. Philanthropy is like driving through town and running over a bunch of cats and then turning around and donating the money to the veterinarians. It's even worse when they want to put their name on the act of generosity too. Again, I cannot stand that. Anonymous giving is pretty decent. It feels better. It'd be far better to never acquire this amount of money in the first place. If somebody needs to run over cats with their car, that should be on others' conscience, not yours, rich guy. To illustrate the problem with overabundant wealth, I'd like to introduce Spitcoin, a new currency based on saliva. The saliva standard actually makes a lot more sense than the gold standard. Few of us have gold, but of course we all have spit. And the saliva standard, of course, is based on spit, specifically. Now, the saliva standard would be implemented during points. The wealthy who insist on retaining their wealth and not sharing it would wake up one day to find their mouths full with saliva. We'd need to figure this out, how to implement this, but I'm sure it can be figured out. Every million dollars not shared would be equal to a droplet of spit. You can figure this out right now with your own mouth by taking a dropper of water and dropping into your mouth one milliliter for every million dollars you might hoard. So even if you're currently hoarding five million dollars, you're only gonna get five milliliters in your mouth. You'll see this only becomes a problem when you have more than $20 million or uh, two full droppers of spit. A billion dollars, though, becomes pretty impossible to hold in there, leading to some real problems. Spitcoin could be implemented a year out from transferring all income to points as a technological push. This would need to be figured out, perhaps by Silicon Valley, the best way to implement this. The wealthy who wanted to opt out of points could do so by converting to Spitcoin. It would convert all their assets to saliva. It would prevent 
distribution of this wealth to the world. As such, there would be two economies, spit and shared. A spit account could be transferred to points at any moment without any penalty. It's really up to the account holder. They would just need to come into an office and spit out all their saliva into a jar. There would need to be some technology involved in how to figure this out, but essentially we'd all wake up one day and any amount of money we didn't need to survive or could spend in a full life would be converted to saliva in our mouths. When we pull the switch on Spitcoin, most of us wouldn't notice a thing. Money is so stupid. Who really thought it up? Let me explain why you wouldn't be affected by Spitcoin. To retire today, a human needs about $1 million to $3 million in the bank. That's a single human, so two humans, uh, a husband and a husband, a husband and a wife, a wife and a wife, need $2 million or $6 million in the bank to retire together. The state will eventually take care of you if you have zero money but they will need you to first starve your income to near zero, if not zero, in a nursing home. And other indignities will be applied. I've had a lot of friends die, and they have had to get rid of every amount of money they have before the state takes care of them. And it's really a terrible end-of-life indignity. So, you know, a funny example is, let's say you wanted to leave your, your children 200 grand, you wouldn't be able to do that because that would be stolen from both you and your children just uh, taking care of nursing care and 200 grand isn't enough to really give a final year or two of life so you would have to bleed out all that money and then the state would take care of your dad or mom and nobody would get anything the wealthy never talk about that when they talk about the estate tax being a terrible burden because they never have to endure real zero solvency at the end of life. So most people, if you want to avoid this, you need, and I don't mean to stress you out with this fact, but you need about a million to three million in the bank. If you talk to any retirement advisor, they will suggest this. So just to retire and survive, you need more money saved than you'd likely ever see in your working existence. Add the college needed to get this to get a job and the home needed to stay in a city, and all the expected emergency expenses and the natural desire to have a family and support them in their own life. Then throw in recurring property taxes that will cut and knife at your nest egg even after you stop making any money. All of this adds up to you never having more money than you need and that's just to survive, so you wouldn't have any spit to deal with. Of course, also throw in food, clothing, repairs, new machines when old machines break, magazine subscriptions and utilities, and all our bills. Throw in vices, movie rentals, drug habits, alcohol, sex, sugar, pies, vacations, friends, loved ones, books and everything else that goes into life and you'll never have enough money for all of that. Being both pragmatic in savings, shrewd in investing, and playful in indulgence, there is no way you'll ever 
have enough money for all of it. This is most of us. Which is why when we convert all the money that isn't being used to saliva, none of us, you wouldn't notice. You'd probably just feel a little more spit in your mouth when the shift occurred. Remember, each million dollars is a milliliter of saliva. A full dropper of saliva is 10 million. Before you knew it, you'd be using spitcoin to pay for everything, just like you had before. It's actually much easier, it's a very portable currency. The truly greedy and unkind though, they'd have a lot of trouble carrying all that spit and converting to the saliva standard. Even at the most conservative estimates, a billionaire would need to carry a liter of spit in their mouths at all times. And they'd be drooling so much they couldn't leave the house. They'd be yelling at everyone to not touch their drool puddles. Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates would have fought for all the saliva in the world. Their mouths would be constantly overflowing with saliva, making them even more laughable. The amount of acid reflex from containing all this saliva would turn their bodies into toad texture. They'd become suspicious of other people wanting all their spit. Maybe you are a part of the spit standard. Your body would distend and your face would look weird because of all the thought processes of making more and more saliva. Swallowing all that saliva, of course, would give you ulcers. You'd then decide saliva isn't what it's all about. But your brain is beyond help. You'll never find happiness because your whole life has gone to spit. It's up Spit Creek without a paddle. Sorry about that. Fill your mouth with spit and think of money this way. It might help identify the way you find purpose in life. Use money as a goal to help get supplies to make work. Find the value in what you make and do. The people you meet. The happiness you can find. The happiness you can bring. Can't be bought. To make one final joke, don't be a spithead. Don't be a spithead. Again, a person with a complete retirement savings, a home, gobs of spending cash and every gadget or vacation they'd ever want would not notice the change of saliva in their mouths. Knowing that there are people on this earth who would literally fill up a swimming pool of saliva should really trouble you. Of course, you can start making some change right now by including money in the list of words we're seeking to change or redefine. We need to defund money. Turn it into points and change the currency to spit. I'd like to disempower money. If we can't call it numbers, I'd like to just call it mud. Closing out the show, we have sides A and sides B. Sides A and B for this week begins a serialization of a six-part story. It's called The Apartment. It's the first spoken word piece I ever did, and it is laid dormant in a few obsolete data storage containers for close to 20 years. I wrote The Apartment in 2003. It is about my life in Chicago in 1996, and I guess the years before that. I had originally intended to make a comic about it, but that didn't feel right as a way of communicating the story. 
So in 2003, I recorded the vocals with an idea to score music to it. I completed about half of the music, but just wasn't really in a proper state of mind at the time to finish the album. So I went on to something else and did other work for a while. The self-imposed time capsule that happened with the apartment occurred through just being away from the data long enough for data formats to change. I'd recorded the apartment to digital audio tape and I thought that'd be a great format for capturing the clearest signal. Digital audio tape, or DAT, is a terrible format. It's sort of like recording to compact disc, but even more sterile sounding. And that was its allure when DAT was introduced. To have a reliable backup, I transferred the data at the time to another dumb format, a zip disc. Suffice it to say, the zip disk drive that I had broke. All zip drives break. And I lost access to the DAT player. So the apartment hung out on a shelf for more than a decade. Really in a box. A box of other disks and media. Then in 2015, I decided to digitize and retrieve data from all my obsolete formats and this included SciQuest cartridges, reel-to-reel -reel tape, and the zip disks. And there in the tangle of old photos and other work was the apartment. Having had about 10 or 12 years away from it, I found myself to really love the story. So finishing the six tracks of the apartment has been like playing a uh, duet with my old self. He and I get along pretty well. He's a little younger than me and there's some funny gaffes in the text that I wrote and stated back then, which I have retained, like referring to a woman in her 40s as a weird older lady. I'm pretty much the same age as her now, so I wonder what I'd think about myself. Interesting to hear my first attempt at spoken word, incidentally, which I'm now solidly confident will be the way I'll tell stories for the rest of my life and the apartment is my first one. You'll hear parts three and four next week, and here are parts one and two of the apartment.